I'm Sean from Voices of Defiance, a podcast member of the Gunny Geek Network, just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Yeah, as much as I would absolutely love to actually record an episode, though, I kind of just want to play Final Fantasy V, so... Oh, right, I, I, I did it. I got the elven cape, Cody. It was a long and arduous process, but I did it. I have to move a 900-pound bookcase after this recording. That, that can't... You should take the books out of the bookcase. That tends to I'm not going to gonna take all the books out of the bookcase. Do you know how long that would take to put them back in alphabetical order, which is how they are currently ordered? I mean, that's... That's kind of freakish, you know? There's also a fruit fly in my entire f***ing, like, 900-square-foot apartment... And it has to be hovering around my head. All right, well, let's start an episode because I just clicked the button. So, in three, two, one. We're already live. It didn't work. Good try. Welcome to episode 112 of unqualified ga- gamers this is 112 isn't it unqualified good gamers good gamers go 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 i think it is well it's 112 if you don't count any like the half episodes that we've done in between episodes and it's actually more like episode i think 350 yeah if you count the weeks we've skipped it's actually 450 hmm. that's depressing that. if that's yeah, true well i'm cody and this is I'm John. You could have introduced me. It would have been a little more seamless, I think, that way. You seamless don't do anything counts, for me. You don't do anything for me. Seamless only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, John. Everybody knows that. I think seamless counts more in sewing. So speaking of sewing, we're going to talk about video games this week. Oh, wait. Your internet connection works this week. So we're actually going to have a maybe, like tolerable quality podcast let's not assume that the connection will be good for the entire episode yeah that's true no but you have literally like i'm looking at you on a camera and you have literally at least five times the pixels that you had last week and i'm not exaggerating i upgraded nothing i quite literally did nothing different so last week pixels were the size of bumper cars now they're the size of less than that (laughs) I don't know what that even means. Like, I, I, well, that doesn't mean anything. I'll leave that to the listener. But, uh, but no, this is great, and we should talk about video games before your internet connection goes to hell in a handbasket that's been set on fire by the demon, uh, Dama Demon. Bunavelza. I knew you were going to say Bunavelza. Bunavelza, not a demon, believe it or not. Beelzebub. Beelzebub, thank you. I knew there was one that sounded kind of like Bunavelza. It's Bunavelza. It's okay. Well, hi. So, yeah, let's, um, where do we start? You tell me, because I, I don't I mean, feel like deciding. In our, you know, in our typical, so last time we talked, we talked about E3 for a really long time because there was kind of a lot to talk about. We only did a one, one E3 show, kind of about our impressions. You know, our standard episodes... Yeah, take a different... You said we talked about our impressions. That was your Bill Cosby? Mm-hmm. 
I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't just make the sound of a flailing woman. Hey, probably inappropriate. Um, the, you know, the so our, our standard episodes are more about us first. Like we like talking about us first. Yeah, I, I guess. So that's something we could do for those humans who care about us, which. How many is that? I have a wife. I think she cares about me. My yeah. my son certainly doesn't, but that's because he's not old enough to care about anything. That's fine. All right. Well, I'm going to drink orange juice while you talk about yourself. You narcissist. I can talk about how f- kind of fantastic I am. Um, I, I consider myself relatively smart. Um, I certainly have a better sense of humor than you. Uh those are all, those are things about me. Those are cool. That's, that's me in a nutshell. And then this is me. In a, I'm in a nutshell. Get me out of this nutshell. Um, that was a good impression. See, that was a good impression you just did of yourself in a nutshell. So yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. Uh, so what did I do? What did I do this weekend? You know what? I went back to Rockford, Illinois. Yeah. How does to, that work? You never go to Rockford. I don't. I hate Rockford. It's a not a good place. But what is wrong with Rockford? Do not. Yeah, I could list. I could make a list. And it's probably this podcast is not long enough for me to make that list. But would you check that list twice? I mean, Santa might. Well, uh, so my, it was my grandma's 80th birthday party, and uh, I, I went back with my wife and my son. So it was a you know a nice five and a half to six hour drive in the car with a baby who's a little more... We've taken him on one other road trip ever, and he was like five months old, which is when he slept all the time. He doesn't he doesn't really do that anymore. Uh, so I had this fantastic idea. I was like, all right, um, I'm, I'm, I'm at this site an hour and a half away from home on Friday. So I'm going to come home, and we're going to leave immediately at like 6.30 or 6.45, and we're going to get on the road, and maybe we'll grab a quick bite to eat, and then he'll be exhausted because normal bedtime for Max is 7.30. So he's just going to sleep the whole ride. That was, and my wife was like, yeah, this is great. This is a great plan. Let's do it. Uh, so Max didn't sleep. Max didn't fall asleep until about 1030. And he was overly tired and got really pissed off and was crying for like two hours of the trip. So our grand plan didn't necessarily work as intended. Uh, so that was a very, very, I mean, we got into Rockford at 1230 and it doesn't matter when Max falls asleep. He's up at 6 to 6.15 every day, kind of no matter what. So needless to say, it was a long night and trip and early morning. And we managed to kind of get naps in when we could. And it was nice. Uh, and we did like the we did the, the birthday dinner thing for my grandma, which was nice. Uh, we did it at Lino's because that's the only restaurant anybody in Rockford knows is Lino's. Um and so we, yeah, we did dinner there uh, in one of the party rooms downstairs. It was it was a really good time. Uh, and then Sunday morning, we had to get up and leave. We were going to go to Father's Day breakfast, and we went to a place. Uh, we, we went to the Stockholm Inn because it's the only restaurant in Rockford that people go to breakfast. That anyone knows. That anyone knows and goes to breakfast. If it's dinner or lunch, you go to Lino's. If it's breakfast, you go to Stockholm Inn. That is just what you do. That is not true. There's Beefaroo. Everyone goes to Beefaroo for every meal. So, uh... We went there and like we had a reservation at nine. Well, I wasn't even like that wasn't even like a joke. Like, my wife thinks Beefaroo's overrated. Are you kidding me? No, she's not. What that. does she? What Minnesotan equivalent of Beefaroo is better? 
I, I just don't think it's I don't think she thinks it's very good. And frankly, I don't either. Wow. Frankly, you're an idiot. That yeah. is what I have to say about that. So um, are you serious? Beef wh- is so good. They They're just, cooking it just for you. They just opened up Portillo's in Rockford. Why would you ever pick Beef over Portillo's? Ever? Portillo's is so overpriced. Are you kidding me? Are you absolutely kidding me? It is not at all. You're it's wrong. It's like $10 for a hot dog at Portillo's. Beef you're getting Ten- locally grown and curated beef on a roast curated? beef sandwich. What? So yeah, it's curated. I would put Beefaroo over uh, In and Out Burger any day of the week. Who gets burgers at Beefaroo anyway? Like, what are you talking? I don't about? get burgers. I'm saying like as an overall experience, the shakes are really good. The fries are better than McDonald's fries, which is a major accomplishment. This podcast episode brought to you by Beefaroo. By the way, they're cooking it just for you. Now you can keep telling your dumb story about Lino's. Which is also good. Anyway, Swedish American, uh, Swedish American, Swedish house, Sweden house. Did you go to a hospital? Old Sweden house, old Swedish American house. Uh, I, international house of pancakes. We didn't go there. Uh, the Stockholm Inn. Uh, we had a reservations for at nine. We got there. And you know, Max is not patient because he's a baby. So like our plan, our, our plan, we considered like going there 15 minutes late just because there's that initial time where you sit down and visit with your family and everything. And like, we were in a time limit when we go to restaurants now. If we go with Max, first of all, we don't go out to restaurants with Max right now. He's at an age where it's just not enjoyable for us. Uh, but when we have to, when we do, um, we're on a time limit. We have like 20 to 30 minutes from sit down to needing to get up and go. I mean, it is very brief. And, you know, when you get together with the family, like there's there's that initial 15 minutes of people visiting before you order, that kind of thing. And it's just, it can, um, he gets a little impatient with that. So we we knew we were going to be on a time limit. And so we went there at, um, we were considered going there late, but we still got there at nine. And I've never seen a line that big there. And I've been there frequently and I've never seen a line that big there. Um, and we didn't have a table right away, even though we had, called ahead and we got reservations so um, we waited around and thankfully we like stepped outside max was running back and forth across the sidewalk that's there um and time passes time passes and we still don't get in and it was it was 9 50 we had been waiting there for 50 minutes and still didn't have a table and casey and i were like we can't do this like we just can't do this we're not gonna be able to get father's day breakfast because he was not only was he getting impatient with where he was, but he was also starting to get tired and like getting ready for like a nap and he needed to eat too. And I don't know if you know this about babies, you probably don't, but they kind of don't give a shit about what you want, like kind of at all. So, um, you know, he started to get a little cranky and it's like, all right, we're piecing out. So, um, my father's day brunch was two bites of a breakfast burrito from McDonald's. Um, and that was delicious. And then I had a Father's Day six-inch tuna sub from Subway uh, later on in the trip. So here was my weekend. My weekend was driving down to Rockford Friday night, uh, Saturday in Rockford, driving back to Minnesota Sunday morning. We got to Minnesota. Casey had to run to the grocery store. And then I had to drive to Owatonna that night because I had to work. I'm working in Owatonna for the next three days. So like over the course of three days, I think we drove about 1,000 miles in the car. It was horrible. It was terrible. It was way too much driving. Wow. Happy belated Father's Day. Yeah. Right. So thank you very much. Uh, happy Father's Day to you as well, to all the little illegitimate children you have. 
I don't know any of them. That personally. is why they're illegitimate. It doesn't really doesn't matter what their names are. Um, it doesn't matter what your name is. Good rock impersonation. I see we're still in the impressions shtick. Yeah, it was a it was a you know what it was a good weekend, albeit it had a little too much travel for my my taste. So yeah, that was it. That was good. It was good. How about yours? My my weekend the weekend prior had um more driving time than my tastes would allow. Is that uh, when you went to South Carolina? North Carolina. I went to the good one. Oh, okay. Not the one with Kim Jong un. This is oh. the good side. No, North No, North Carolina is the one with Kim Jong un. Mm, no, that's North Korea, I'm thinking. So it's inversely proportional, right? So North Korea is bad. South Carolina is bad. Oh. Because they're like the same place. That's at least what I've heard. No, the wedding... The, the Well, the weekend... So I'll talk about this this last weekend, but since it has been a while since we've actually talked about our lives, two weekends ago, I drove to a wedding in North Carolina, which was lovely and wonderful. However, it did require a substantial amount of driving because it's 12 hours each way. Uh, fortunately, I have a very good friend in Dayton, Ohio, which is exactly halfway between Chicago and um, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, who let us stay with her a couple nights in a row. So six hours of driving to Dayton, Friday, six hours of driving the rest of the way, Saturday, six hours of driving to Dayton, Sunday, and then six hours driving back to Chicago Monday. That so is six a hours lot of driving. Of driving. A day for four days straight. Um, but it was worth it. The wedding was super fun, and seeing my friend in Dayton was super, super fun. So that was that was a great time. Um, and weirdly, like, so, like, you know, the first half is basically flat, and then the second half's kind of mountainous and twisty and very pretty. But, the like, the only thing I re- – the most distinct thing I remember from the actual drive was in West Virginia – we're driving on these kind of windy uh, highways. <laughs> my girlfriend's like, oh, my God, what's that? We look over. There's two RVs uh, parked in a little dirt area. It looked like someone lived there. We're presuming that the first RV is where they lived, and the second RV was for cooking meth. And oh, I, probably, thought the RV, I thought the RVs were mating. Like, I thought you walked into RVs mating. The RVs may have been mating. I don't know. So we're driving, and we pass these RVs, and, and in between them is a proudly displayed flagpole with a, a very clearly presented Confederate flag. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they it share outside with, like, a stuffed doll. I didn't see this. It was described to me. A stuffed doll, apparently, like, I don't know, like a Cabbage Patch kind of thing, wearing a scream mask. So is this, like, freakish... Mm-hmm. Chucky, like, uh, monstrous doll outside of a meth-cooking RV with a Confederate flag hanging over it. Uh, and I was I was reminded several times that that is West Virginia. That is not representative of of, of either of the Carolinas, although uh, recently, uh, who, who could know? But uh, that was, that was uh, eventful. I sped up at that point. Did you eat at any Waffle Houses? Because they are all over the South. No Waffle Houses, but I did have sweet tea from Bojangles. So Bojangles, I hear, has like, that's you're supposed to get biscuits there. I've heard of Bojangles. Oh my god. I hear you're supposed to get biscuits. I had a Bowberry biscuit. Was it like something something important? Is it like a, a milestone moment? Yes, it's like a blueberry biscuit, but it's Bowberry. And I had a bowberry biscuit and sweet tea, which had, I think, 400 grams of sugar. <laughs> I've heard that. 
It is. I've heard, like, I've heard Southern sweet tea is like the most disgustingly sweet drink you'll ever drink in your life. So I've had Southern sweet tea before because my really good friend from college, Suze, uh, went to Clemson for grad school, and I visited her for a week on spring break in college. So I was in, in Clemson, South Carolina, right there for a week, and I had a lot of sweet tea. In South Carolina, sweet tea, yeah, it is It is like very, very sugary. decayingly sweet, yes. It was unbelievable. Uh, so this this wasn't new, but it was refreshing, and I loved it. I love it. I like it. But the I biscuit. Can, oh, my God, the biscuit was so good. Everything from Bojangles was ridiculously good. Okay. I, I think, yeah, it it's really sugary, but... But no um, Waffle Houses, huh? No, no Waffle Houses okay. that I can recall. I don't think so. But, I mean, um, in the pantheon of breakfast foods, I think like a waffle compared to a pancake. I mean, I like there are days where I think I would pick the waffle over the pancake. I would always pick the waffle. Like 100% of the time, mm, I would pick the waffle over the pancake. It's not an always. It's definitely no, not it's an always. always. No. I will never go with pancakes. No, the pa- I mean the pancake is the perfect breakfast food. I think I, it's I, don't, I think it's no. well known. No, it is not. I don't mind pancakes, but waffles are always superior. They're but they're not like a, a spongy, like dampish, not crisp waffle. Like nobody wants that. Nobody nobody wants that. But a spongy, dampish, not good pan like pancakes are just like bread you're like eating a piece of bread but it's sweet it's got that vanilla typically you know it's got vanilla extract in it so it's got that vanilla flavor to it um i don't, I don't know I, pancakes if you can i think i feel like you can dress them up a little more than a waffle it's my no, perception dude, of them anyway. on a waffle you can put on peanut butter you can put you that can on put, pancakes you cannot put peanut butter on pancakes that, you you absolutely can peanut butter on pancakes is a hundred percent a thing put peanut butter and honey on a pancake sometimes the peanut butter is as thick as the pancake that's the problem you're, you're on a one-to-one ratio you put peanut butter on a waffle and then the syrup goes in the little in the little things and they pool up in the little the little squares Look, that i didn't is good. say i didn't say i wouldn't pick a waffle i'm saying in the pantheon of breakfast foods in general i feel the pancake is a superior thing can also typically bake more things into the pancake, but I there are days where I will pick the waffle over the pancake. All right, can we? Well, yeah, I would always, almost, I would, I think, a hundred percent of the time, pick the pancake. Can we at least agree that bacon wins over both? Yeah, I'll be honest. I I would rather take the the carbohydrate, the the, the carbohydrate breakfast platter myself. You're I, a monster. I, I, no, I love bacon. I love bacon, but I love. The waffle and the pancake more. I do. You're a monster. There's something wrong with you. Are you sure you're from America? Are you hanging a Confederate flag over your bed right now in the hotel? That's that how you happening? know I'm the most American. Oh, is that? That's, that's how you know I'm the most American. That's true. Yikes. Look at us getting all, like, uh, peripherally political... I, sarcastic. I agree. The pancake waffle discussion is an important one to have. I don't think it's a discussion that needs to be had. I think that the waffle is clearly superior. But we can agree to disagree because we don't really agree on anything on this podcast. I really thought you were going to pick the pancake with me. I thought this was going to be the one of the ones we agreed on. That, I, I really f- did. Foreshadowing for a, a future podcast. Who knows? Um, anyway, that was last weekend. This, this past weekend, I had a beach day. With some friends Saturday, nothing, nothing super exciting. Although um, <clears throat> a friend was out of town, came in from out of town, and another friend came over, 
and we played a uh, multiplayer video games and, and had like a guy game night, which I had not had in months. I know Other since than, since when you came up to Minnesota like three weeks ago. Yeah, that was for board games, Jerkface, and you guys playing Crypt of the Necrodancer nonstop. It was a really good While game. you did that, I was playing Hearthstone happily. Probably should add that to the list here of things we should do. You probably about. should add Crypt of the Necrodancer to the list because yeah. it's all you did when I visited you. Yeah, no, it's a pretty good game. You're- we should probably even start with that since we're already seguing at this point. So, listener, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when I did a solo episode that I recently went up to John's because he hosted MartinCon, which is our nickname for John's little we go and play board games deal and John can tell you, well, I already kind of talked about it. So I'll let you give your thing. Yeah, it was um, pretty obnoxious and terrible from what I remember. Is that pretty, you know, I didn't actually watch your video. Is that pretty much on par with what you said? As is your life, obnoxious and terrible. You know, it was, it was awesome. Um, We, it's, it's, it's just like most convention, it conventions, it's been growing over the years uh, the first year that we ever had it, it was just uh, a couple of our friends. It was just Max and Will. Um, and then I think it was either last year or the year before you tagged along and came up. Um, and so it had grown into a party of three that came up to visit me. And then this year, Blake came up as well. So we had kind of a foursome come up and visit. And it was it was really cool. Eventually, if more people come up to Martin Con every year, we're going to outgrow my house. So... The fact that I plan on moving soon is probably going to be beneficial for Martin Khan. But uh, we did, like, the spirit of Martin Khan was board games back when it was originally founded. Um, me as CEO and president, that was kind of what I wanted What I wanted Martin Khan to be. It has since morphed into more things, much as conventions do. Um, video games have become a much larger part of Martin Khan now, which I'm totally fine with because I love both. There's room in my life for both. Um, but yeah, you guys came up and we played a lot of board games, board games I hadn't played in a while, um, board games which some of you had never played, super fun stuff, um, but this is not a board gaming podcast, although I do, I do, and I am on record saying this, uh, if I had my choice, board games are a more fun experience for me than video games. I love video games, and they are a, a, they are a more convenient form of entertainment for me on like my typical night because I can just come home and play a video game by myself. But I would rather sit down as a group of people and play long board games that require a lot of thought. That's my favorite thing. So um, we probably got a good six, seven board games in of varying lengths over the course of the weekend. They were all really good. Uh, But again, we played a lot of video games and the main video game that we were playing the most of was a game called Crypt of the Necrodancer, which Blake bought me. Um, and it is a, it's a roguelike, but it's a rhythm based roguelike. So it's got this kind of electronic music soundtrack and it's in this eight bit pixel art. And, um, it's basically turn based, but the turns are a set amount of time. And the amount of time is the space between one beat of the song to the next beat. So you can take a turn on every beat of the music. And in fact, you are, uh, you are encouraged to do so. So um, you, all, all you do in the game is move. There are no other, there are items that you can use by pressing movement directions. So like 
you'll get an apple that restores health, and you have to press up and left at the same time to use the apple. But it can the game is played with the four directional buttons. And it's you exploring a dungeon. Just like a regular roguelike, all of the dungeons are procedurally generated. Um, all of the monsters in them are procedurally generated. You have to go through the dungeon. You have to kill the mini-boss, and then that allows you to get down to the next level of the dungeon. If you don't complete the the level of the dungeon in the amount of time of the song that is playing, you fall down into the next level of the dungeon and basically die. You get surrounded by monsters as soon as you fall down and you, you basically instantly die. Um, so the whole hook of the game, though, is that is that playing, playing the music, playing along with the music. And it's super simple because you can only move in four directions. But you're like going through the dungeon and you're getting items that allow allow you to kill monsters much more easily, uh, that maybe do more damage. You're collecting... Uh, there's two forms of currency. There's coins that um, help you buy things in the shop in the various levels of the dungeon. And then there's diamonds that are used as a um, persistent currency from run to run that allow you to buy items that then appear in the dungeon another time. It's exactly like other roguelike games where you unlock items for the dungeon that you can possibly find later. And then it's got some also other interesting systems where you can, it's got like a guy that you can pay diamonds to, to remove items you don't like. So if there's like crappy weapons that you just don't like using, you can pay him to, to make it so you never encounter those in the dungeon. So you're more likely to find the items you do want. Um, it's got some um, prac. It's got some neat little practice modes in it because one of the, one of the other hooks is since this is a rhythm rhythm game and monsters move along with the beat as well. Each monster has a different like pattern of movement, and they can kill you really fast if you are kind of not used to it. And um, it's hard to to it's hard to get any kind of practice against them if you encounter this monster that kills you instantly. Like it's you don't really get a good idea feel for their patterns of movement because it's all about the monster's patterns of movement. So you can go into these practice rooms that allow you to practice individual monsters, which is a cool thing that they added as well. Um, and it's really snappy. Like a, a single run of the game takes anywhere from five minutes if you die very quickly, actually even less time than that if you die quickly, up to like fifteen or twenty to get through an entire level of the dungeon um and there's just there's four levels of the dungeon and then you unlock different characters that have different attributes as you play the game um there's a story mode and then there's like an endless dungeon mode that allows you to play through all of the levels of the dungeon in one go um and then all of the different characters have different abilities like i said that you unlock it's just like it's a really cool little game it's got a great art style and the music is great the music is really good yeah so it was, and and it's got a it's got a, a local multiplayer mode that does trivialize the game a little bit, but it's really fun. It was really fun to play the game multiplayer. You mean it trivializes the difficulty of the game, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The game is still super fun as co-op, um, but you end up like unlocking all of the stuff in the in the regular game when you're doing a co-op run, and it's not nearly as challenging as playing the game yourself. Like, I think the difficulty of the game is really tuned around solo play. It's, I think it's pretty apparent. Uh, so, yeah, that was a super fun game to play. And that was... And I, I played zero of it because I didn't care. You're, you were busy playing the next game we're probably going to talk about, which was Hearthstone. Right, but I will point out <clears throat> that if, you go, if you've listened to our last Martin Con podcast, 
I talk about how John and everybody played Hearthstone the entire time. And you and were an outsider looking in on that particular Martin I Con. had never played Hearthstone. Right. And I didn't play Hearthstone until like two or three months ago. Then at Martin Con this year, I played Hearthstone the entire time while everybody else played Crypt of the Necrodancer. So next year, I'll be playing Crypt of the Necrodancer on, an, on a tablet or something. And y'all can play whatever dumb new game is out that is dumb and not worth my time until it's worth my time. You'll probably still be playing Hearthstone. Also, there's like a thousand mods for Crypt of the Necrodancer, and you guys played a Mega Man one. They were pretty cool. Reskin all the characters. Mega Man, there's Zelda ones. And what I thought was awesome, because I'm like a huge... I'm a big into custom music and games. You're just big into video game music in general. That's like one of your passions of video games i am but also customizing like literally back back in the day like three or four years after ps2 came out my parents got me a ps2 for christmas and i returned it and got an xbox instead the original xbox because i knew that you can import cds and make custom soundtracks and games and at the time i thought that was the coolest thing ever and i wish that you could do that with nintendo games because the soundtrack in Hyrule Warriors is god awful. It's really bad. It is some of the. It is. I mean, it's fine the first hundred hours you listen to it. Mm-hmm. But that second hundred hours. Being generous, but good God, it's bad. So, um, yeah, there's that. But no, I love custom soundtracks. So in Crypt of the Necrodancer, you can import it and it'll automatically detect the beat and it'll adjust the game to where you can play your own music. Right. right? Because the. Because the when I say it's a rhythm game, it's not a rhythm game in the traditional sense of the word, word where more complicated songs are more difficult in the game. The The beat of the music is just, it's, it's almost like an ancillary thing to the rest of the experience. It's just the bass beat that you're moving your character on and that the enemies are moving on. It's not like you're not dividing, you're not dividing quarter notes into, into eighth notes and further into 16th notes and moving like faster that way you're just moving on the basic beat of the song um so more again more complicated music faster music doesn't necessarily make the game harder and i like edm a lot yeah which is what the whole soundtrack is yeah so i would play so i would be able to import techno and dubstep tracks and 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 would fit the game perfectly yeah and that's amazing because I like that anyway, and then I can play the mods. So actually, now that I think about it, I kind of do want to play this game. Yeah, and it's, you know, it, I think the game is is 10 bucks. It wasn't early access for a long time, but the, the full release is done. It is complete, and that is what is available now. And I'm sure you can find it on sale if you don't want to pay $10 for it. I'm sure you can find it on sale in the coming weeks for probably, you know, 6 bucks. I bet you could find it. It's, it's good. It's totally worth that. We got a lot of play out of it. I'm definitely not done with the game yet, so... It's something that'll be played more. Yeah. Let me check it out. But, like you were saying, while we were enjoying uh, that particular game, you were like, hey, I remember that Hearthstone game that you guys were playing last year. Maybe I'm going to get into that. So tell me about that, because all of a sudden now, I feel like I see you playing Hearthstone a lot. Yeah. I play, like, when I go to the bathroom at work. I play on the train to and from work every day. Last night I got back home and played for like an hour before bed. Like I, I play it all the time. Okay, it's ridiculous. So tell me about your experience with Hearthstone so far. You, I got you. Both? You oh, go downloaded it 
Um, really, you didn't kind of get into it until it was on your phone, is that right? Which just got released a couple of months ago. Yeah, I downloaded it on my desktop months ago and played played it a bit and kind of liked it and it was fine and whatever. And then the day you texted me, Hearthstone is on phones, I got it. Actually, it was on the podcast. You told me on this podcast like two months ago and you said it's on iOS. I don't know when it's coming out on Android. Well, then I got an email the next morning from Blizzard. It was on Android. Right. They came out at the same time. So yeah, I downloaded it, and it's it's there is no reason for me to play any other mobile game ever. It's ridiculous. The only reason why I wouldn't play it is if I'm on the train in Chicago and I take one of the lines that goes underground, right? Because you do need to have a continuous internet connection, and that has been an issue. I live by and, and take the brown line every day, which is completely elevated. So I'm actually like above ground. So I am very lucky that I can play Hearthstone literally the entire walk to and from work um, with no interruptions whatsoever. But like I had to go out to O'Hare to catch a flight and that's underground. So I like lost a match because halfway in I lost my signal. Um, So that's a pain sometimes. But but generally it's been very, very convenient for me. So tell me about your Hearthstone experience. Like what are you enjoying most because i like reckon i'm on record i'm on record saying like i pretty much only play arena right now that's kind of the only thing that i enjoy i mean i enjoy everything about the game really but i love the arena but there's so many ways to play the game and i know that like not everybody likes that so yeah so when i first got in you said i'd be better off spending my money on the expansions which give you guaranteed new cards including legendaries then I would be to spend my money buying packs. So I bought both expansions, mm-hmm. Naxxoramus and Blackrock Spire. I beat Naxxoramus, uh, which had some challenges, but overall it was pretty doable. And then Blackrock Spire was, was similar. It had some challenges, but I, I kind of... It was weird. Like I constructed a custom warrior deck to get past one of the bosses, and then I used that same warrior and beat the next like four on my first try. Sure. So sometimes you just end up with a deck that's really good against the uh, the CPU. So the only boss I have is the final boss in Blackrock Spire, who is very, very challenging. And I, I tried him a few times. I have a Paladin deck I can beat him with. I just haven't gotten good luck playing sure. him yet. And what, do you so th- these... what do you think of those single-player campaigns? They're really fun. They're super fun. And uh, it's nice... They're fun and annoying. I hate that if there's a certain... Like, sometimes you have to tailor a deck specifically mm-hmm. to beat the guys. And that's fun in a way, but it's it's kind of a pain. Because, like, once you get it, if you're like, oh, I have to build a deck with low-cost minions to beat this guy, then it's so elementary. And you end up winning without taking any damage, and you just roll them really hard. So it's kind of like, well, all right, I had to spend all this time making a deck. And then you just delete the deck anyway because it's no good for anything else. Like, I'm not going to go fight a Murloc deck against a mage in uh, in the regular game. So that's my only issue, is that, like, some of the decks you, you build to beat these bosses are really, really good, and they have a certain strategy. But others, like, you just kind of throw together a specific strategy, and then you don't use it anymore. I don't know. And I like being official in my time. But it's fun looking at the game through a different lens and not just kind of building a deck for general. Like, it is fun in a way, but it's also just kind of, I don't know, kind of seems wasteful in a way. Okay. If that makes any sense. Yeah, sure. Um, 
but I'm glad I got them and they came with really good cards and yeah, they made you, everything much. You do get very good cards after playing them, yes. Yeah, basically that slug giant thing that's like 3-5 taunt and when you kill it, it spawns another taunt minion. The sludge guy the or sludge whatever. Belcher, yeah. Sludge Belcher. I mean, he's in every deck. Yes. It's like the best card in the game. He's very good. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I think I have like two in every deck I have. Yeah. So that's that's fine. And then um, <clears throat> I I didn't even touch the arena forever, even at MartinCon. And then uh, I kind of got to the end of Blackrock Spire, played some main campaign games, and you know got all the cards unlocked. And I'm like, well, let me get back to this arena thing. And then I did, and went back to the arena, and I played some matches, and I kept winning. Mm-hmm. And I played some more matches, and I kept winning. And it felt really good. So I finally lost, and then I made another arena deck, and I won seven games, mm-hmm. which I guess is pretty good. Which, that is very good. That's very good. And uh, I just built an arena deck, and even though I thought the deck was terrible, I won the first two matches, like today. Yeah, isn't that funny how that happens? Yeah. So, I don't know. I The arena has become my favorite thing. For those who are new to Hearthstone or don't play, first of all, the point of entry is so ridiculously low. Anyone can play this game. It's free. The rules are extraordinarily simple. I don't care how casual you are or how hardcore you are. I mean, I, I got home and I had Hyrule Warriors sitting a foot away from me, and I sat on my couch playing a game on my phone for an hour last night. Like, it's so fun. Yeah, speaking of that barrier of entry thing, we talked about it. We've talked about this game a lot, but we talked about it. I know I talked about it before where Blizzard does a really good job of once you once you level up each of the characters to level 10 and unlock all their basic cards, the basic cards that they give you are pretty damn powerful and show up in a lot of decks that yeah. you see online. So, like, you're, you have enough cards to win games with the basic cards they give you. Yeah, you don't have to spend money. You definitely don't have yeah. to spend money. And yeah, it's just, it's just every, I mean, if you have a phone and any, if you have a phone, you should have this game. Yeah. Like it's that good and easy and awesome. I've become addicted to the arena. So thanks for getting me hooked on that. The arena is really fun. And for those, uh, you know, kind of new to the game, there's the general mode where you build a deck and you play other people with built decks. The arena, the computer basically just randomizes a bunch of cards and they give you three cards and you're like, pick one of these cards to put in your deck. You pick one, they discard the other two and you just repeat that process till you get a 30 card deck. And then you play other people that went through the same process. So you end up with like super powerful cards you don't own. You end up with like just being able to play with all these cool cards and everybody else has the same so it's really balanced, I think. The games have all been pretty close. balanced. They're usually pretty close. If the people know what they're doing, sometimes yeah. you'll fight a noob and they're just an idiot and they, they lose. And yeah, that's well, awesome. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, and there's a lot of little stuff you pick up here and there, like cards you won't play because you know the cards in the other decks that you don't want to crush your guy. Of like, course. There, yeah, the more familiar you get with the game, the better you get at it. And it is really fun. And they announced they have a new mode called Tavern Brawl which is ridiculous. And Tavern Brawl is like, they give you a weird specific scenario. And I think mentioned this in our last sometime, Uh, but they give you a weird, ridiculous scenario and you play with just a pre-built deck against somebody. It is. um, Well, that's what the first week was. So, so it's, it's actually going to be a little more robust than that. They said that it's basically just, they're going to give you a set of rules and it's going to be different rules each week. And that's what you're going to play with. So this week, the very first week, they gave you set decks. 
But next week, they might say, make a deck of 30 cards with four cost minions or lower. That's all you can put in your deck. And then the next week, they may say, um, you have to have only spells or something like that. Like, it, it's going to be... It's going to be a different set of rules that may have you making your own deck or may be set preset decks. Yeah, okay. Well, the first week they did it was two bosses from the yeah. next Ceramis expansion? No, Black the Rock Spire. Black Rock Spire. Two bosses, and yeah. you play as one of the two, and it's the same two every time. It's a fantastic idea. Either... It's a fantastic idea, right? Yeah, you're either the dragon or the magma guy. Yeah. Or whatever. And Sul- it's super Sulfur- fun. Sulfurus. Yeah, one guy has 60 hit points, the other has 30 hit points and 30 armor, which is essentially double what you get as a normal character. And you get all these super-powered cards. So you're basically just, like, yeah, the, the tanks. The decks are super fun to play with because you feel ridiculously powerful. I mean, it was it, it's a cool thing. It's totally gimmicky. And it literally lasts for three days and then it, it disappears. I mean, it's a really cool thing. Yeah, I won 10 games <laughs> that's awesome that's how much i played it and i probably lost at least twice that because uh it, it took a while to acclimate to the strategy for sure but um yeah no Hearth, i mean hearthstone is is it's, it's just ridiculous it is it's quite good uh so there's that um what else you the last time we talked you had a lot of extra money on your xbox live account uh, that was going to expire because money money expires. Yeah, apparently money expires on Xbox Live. So and, and you bought Geometry Wars three. I did. So among the games, I got the original Far Cry remastered. I got some Cthulhu game by Zeboid Games. Mm, I've talked about those. Yeah, I got some Cthulhu game that I haven't played yet. I got Contra. I don't know why I got Contra. That was a. I mean. It's the arcade version, so... Contra Enter the Matrix, Echo the Dolphin. No, the original Contra. Right. Like, But the arcade version. Okay. Why did you say Echo the Dolphin? Because that's the subtitle of the Contra game for Xbox. That is definitely not the subtitle of any game. There is a game called Echo the Dolphin. Oh, Tides of Time. You're right. I'm sorry. It's Contra Echo the Dolphin Tides of Time. Yes, that's what it is. So... I had a couple friends over, and I was like, well, what what should we play? You know, I got some Steam games, and then I was like, wait, I got Geometry Wars 3. No one really cares about Geometry Wars, but I do. Geometry Wars, is, a, is a, it's called a twin-stick shooter. You move with the left stick. There's two joysticks, right? We don't call them joysticks. What do we call them? Analog sticks? I think you call, I think you call them control sticks. Control sticks, whatever. Anyway, you got two sticks, I think right? joysticks works too. Joysticks is fine. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But the left stick moves like in every video game in the universe. Dick sticks. Dick sticks. And then that's what you call the right the right dick stick. Um the right one you just point it in a direction and it shoots. Right? So you point it left, you shoot left, you point yeah. right, you shoot right. But you continuously shoot. So it's you're a, like it's rotating it around and like you just twin stick shoot. Everybody knows what this is. Everybody knows what this um, is. Um who who's listening at this point, basically. So twin stick shooter and uh it's just there's a techno soundtrack in the background and you're just a little like thing and all these geometric shapes appear and move in different patterns and it's super addictive. You mean it's a war on geometry? And heart pumping and just fun and everything explodes and you're watching and at some point 
you're just looking and you're like, I can't tell what's going on in the screen anymore because there's crap flying everywhere and it's just really crazy and there's bright colors and it's very vivid and it's really cool. So Geometry Wars, the first one, essentially has one mode. It's just kind of endless mode. And it's really fun and, and features one of the best music tracks I've ever heard in a video game. It's really, really good. It's like a 13-minute long or 8 minutes or something. Like techno track that loops but it's really catchy and really like pumping and actually has been uh, much of the success of the first game has been attributed to the soundtrack Um, but there's essentially arcade mode and like one other mode and now it's kind of it it's basically you just play and get a high score Jumper 2 Wars 2 introduced six or seven different play modes. So there was one where you can only shoot if you're inside a circle that appears, and then those circles disappear, so you have to fly to another circle, but you can't shoot in between. There's ones where the waves come in certain patterns, and you have to beat them. There's ones where you have, like, no bombs, which clear the whole map. And uh, there's there's a couple different game modes, and those are kind of cool, too. Um... But essentially, it was the same kind of thing. You just got a high score on one of those. You compared with your friends, and and that was it. But there was more variety, and there was multiplayer. I think there was always multiplayer. There's multiplayer in these, so you can do those. You can do versus or co-op. So that offered, you know, that expanded the, the scope of the game substantially, and that was really cool. But it was still, like, very much an arcade game. You pick up, you play a couple levels, and you're kind of done. Geometry Wars 3 introduces stages, which I thought was super, super cool. And the stages, uh, so there are actually single-player stages and co-op stages that are different because we beat a bunch of co-op stages and we're like, why did we get one achievement? It's because it's different than the the single-player stages. So we played through all the co-op stages. I think there were 10. Yeah, there were 10. 10 co-op stages, which doesn't sound like a lot, but they were kind of hard. Mm-hmm. They're actually quite challenging, especially considering how much crap is flying everywhere, so you can barely tell what's going on. But it was really fun, and there was a little variety in each stage. And each stage you can achieve either one, two, or three stars. So, you know, you could clear the stage, or you could get a really high score and, and you know, clear it with three stars. We ended up getting... After, after several replays, we got two stars on every level and then somehow got three stars on the boss because there is an end boss in the, the 10th level. And, uh, and then we kind of quit. But I believe if you get three stars on every stage, it unlocks more levels. At least that's what the map looks like. Okay. So there's even bonus content. So there's like incentive to perform really well. But it's super fun. It'll be like stage one is just basically get a million and like 1.5 million points. So you just, in, in within like three or four minutes or something. So they set a timer. You just try and get as many points as you can. Cool. You get one and a half million. Great. It'll then change the thing in the top corner that says, hey, till the next star, it's 2.5 million. You got to get this many more. And it counts that way. And then same with the third star. And if you get three, that's great. And then, um, yeah, if you get one star, you can go to the next level. And the next one will be something like you can only shoot if you're inside one of these circles that closes automatically. So you need to shoot quickly and then run and we had a lot of trouble with that one um so they're really cool that way and and the single player i imagine is is very similar but we played through the game we must have played the game for a good hour or an hour and a half and had a lot of fun the whole time the there was a really good amount of of difficulty and uh, and the final boss was insanely fun for some reason in the final boss who was very hard uh, my two friends died within the first probably t- 
two minutes or so, and it was maybe like a five-minute stage or something, and I somehow beat the rest of the level, which was insane because there was just stuff everywhere. Just You've got to see geometry where it's a picture. Is it like a bullet hell type? It's No, it's, it's more that everything... There's a lot of bright colors, and they move quickly, and they leave trails of colors, and if you blow up an enemy... So the background of this is it looks like you're in space, but there's also kind of a grid. Yeah. But it's like a loose grid, and the grid isn't always there. So it won't be there, and then you blow up an enemy. Well, then there's like a ripple effect that appears, and a bunch of debris flies out from where the enemy got blown up, and it ripples the background, so it distorts like the actual scene. And that's happening on top of that happening other places, times like... 30 guys at once. So there's just debris and and then whenever you kill a guy it leaves a little diamond shard and you have to pick those up to increase your score multiplier. So whenever you pick one up it you know it makes it so that you've got like 30 or 40 sure. or 50 times the score whenever you kill something. So those these little diamond things are flying out and then they only last a few seconds and then they they blink before they disappear. So then you've got you've got these blinking diamonds and you've got like colored debris flying out from everything and you've got your bullets and they've got trails but like it's it's really psychedelic uh very psychedelic and would probably be too much for anybody on drugs so it's like it's like uh the whole the whole thing then is so you you make it sound like three has like this level structure but in general it's like a high score style game like it's a game where you're trying to get the higher highest score leaderboard type thing is that kind of the spirit of it to a degree yeah with with this one it's it's a challenge to get the highest score within a certain constraint so whether it's a time constraint or a play style constraint or they give the enemies armor or extra stuff like that um so they put them in in that category and then you have to overcome that and then to progress to the next level you have to overcome that with a certain level of proficiency yeah but i like that there are those objective benchmarks because in one and two you're just competing with your friends and this is like okay here's how good you need to be to get a one star here's how good two star and then three star means you're really good this is how many points you need to get to consider yourself really good and then you get that and then you can consider yourself really good right you know what i'm saying so i liked it a lot we really enjoyed it i mean i'm guessing or they wouldn't have played the whole thing but i had a lot of fun and, you know, in, at the end of every stage, it shows your individual scores, too. So there's a little bit of, like, internal competition. Of course there is. Yeah, because you want to get, like, a combined really good highest score. But, you know, whoever who carries the team, you know, and there were, like, games where I'd get, like, 60 points and they each had, like, 400,000. And they're just like, well, look who carried the team. Mm-hmm. You know, because I die within, like, three seconds. Um, so, yeah, Geometry Wars 3, I definitely recommend if you've got friends to play it with. I think you can play online, but I feel like that can't possibly end well. Who knows? But especially if you've got friends coming over, pick up Geometry Wars three. And like that, that's a, it's, it's a good like solid like hour, hour and a half, two hours maybe, and then it's out of your system and you've kind of gotten your fix. But I think it's worth the the money, quite frankly. And you, so you played Geometry Wars three. You also did some turn taking, if I'm not mistaken, as well. You were talking about right? You yeah. Tu- you you took an old classic and turn it into a new car 
smell. So I kind of want to save that for the end of the podcast because I'm going to pose a question to the listener. Okay. That's fine. Uh, uh, upon that tale. So I want to hear what you have been doing. Couple, couple other things. Uh, quick, quick hit. Uh, the the Final Fantasy V for Futures um, four job fiesta just started. Uh, I talked about this last year. It is a super cool thing. It is a charity drive for. Um, they do a different. I think they do a different charity every year. Um, I think I want, or it's just Child's Play. But they've definitely done Child's Play before. But basically, the way that it works is you play Final Fantasy V. Uh, and I'm not going to go into detail about Final Fantasy V, but it's an RPG, and it it invented it. Well, it didn't invent, but it, it perfected. I would argue it perfected the job class system that Square has used in subsequent games. And you can go to unqualifiedgamers.com and and search for Job Fiesta or Final Fantasy V to hear John explain it in more detail. Sure. So, um, but the main gist of the Four Job Fiesta is that. You know, there's like 30 jobs in Final Fantasy V. Well, the four-job fiesta says, okay, you have four jobs. I'll give you a job. I, I have a, a bot program that I use. Um, not me personally, but the person that puts on the four-job fiesta. And you tweet at this bot when you get to the area where you get new jobs. And the bot says, all right, this is your job for this particular crystal. There's four crystals. Therefore, you have four different jobs you get. Um, and this is the only job that you can use from that crystal. So you're playing through the game, and by the end of the game, you have tweeted at this at this bot four times, and he's given you four different jobs, and that's it. That's all you can use for the rest of the game, and you have to you have to complete the game. Um, and originally, it was designed as this exercise to show just how just how robust of a system Square made with Final Fantasy V, because they argued that no matter what, with any combination of just four jobs, you were able to complete the game. Um, and and the idea is that like somewhere out there, there is somebody that has completed the game with the four jobs that are listed that you get for your run. You may not be able to complete it. You may not have like the patience to do what needs to be done to complete the game, but it can be done. That was like the original point. And then at some point, the guy was like, well, let's like turn this into a charity thing. So that's what they did. So there's some hooks in there for the players that for the players that are are donating to charity. And one of the things that they do is for every ten dollars, there's a class called Berserker. And the Berserker in the original idea, the original run was was taken out of the Forge Up Fiesta completely because as a class, it is it is uh, probably the most difficult to work around if you have to have one at all times. Because you can't control it. It's the only class you can't control in the game. It just attacks. That's all it does. It just attacks. And so there's there's something that they added um, in the Forge Job Fiesta called Berserker Risk. And for every $10 that is donated to the Forge Job Fiesta, there is a Berserker that gets added to the Berserker Pool. And if you choose to do a Berserker Risk run, you are guaranteed a single Berserker. And that's for your second the second job that gets unlocked. You're guaranteed a Berserker. So you have to have, you're going to have at least one if you run a Berserker Risk. And you have the possibility of getting more at every job pull. It just gets randomized along with the rest of the jobs. So there are people that get a three Berserker run uh, four job fiesta. And Our like, listener Chad Sarant actually just commented on Google Plus and said, four Berserker run, four Berserker run, get wrecked on the sandworm. I don't know if that has happened. I don't know about a four Berserker run. I'm sure it probably has. Um, but there's some other really cool things that they do as well. 
uh, with the donations. And like you can donate to change one of your classes to whatever you want. So if you feel like you have a party that just simply cannot complete the game, you could pay, I want to say it's 10 bucks or 15 bucks and change one of those classes to whatever you want. Last year, I had a party that I could not complete the game with. And after doing some reading on it, I had two of what were considered like the worst classes to have in the entire game. So it kind of makes sense. I had two like media, I had one low to mediocre class. I had one mediocre class and then I had two of the worst classes in the game. So that was fun. Um, and then I realized that like, oh, like I, I actually had a really hard run. I thought I had a decent run when I very first started it because I didn't really know kind of how it worked. I had played through Final Fantasy V before, but I didn't really understand how the four drop has to work. But I got it by the end of last year. So uh, this year has already started off better. I got I got like a, a heavy tanky class to start. I got the knight as my first class and he's I've already unlocked him. Um, and it's already been easier than last year's run. So that's pretty neat. Wow. Uh, yeah. Cool. But that's, uh, that's started and I'll, you'll can see my updates. If you follow me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is eat play game. Um, if you follow me, you'll be able to see me tweeting updates cause I'll tweet updates throughout the course of the whole fiesta, just like I did last year as well. Um, I'll be doing that again this year. Cool. Uh, so, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm not going to participate. That's okay. I think that's okay. You don't have to. You can enjoy other people doing it as well. It's Final a f- Fantasy V is too hard. It's a hard game. It can be hard. It's not that hard. Okay. So I did that, and then I bought a PS4. Yeah, that's cool. Was it Sony's press conference at E3? So, I right, I always knew I was going to get one of the two because I wanted one. I wanted a PS4 and Xbox. And the press conference definitely put, put me over the edge. I was like, man, there's a lot of really interesting looking stuff. To be honest, it might have been Horizon, which we talked about last week. It might have been that game. Because I was thinking about it, and I thought about how amazing and awesome that game looked to me. And that for sure is only coming to PS4. That's also not coming to, to PC. That is going to be a PS4 exclusive. So that will be the only place where I'm going to be able to get to play that game. And I was like, I really thought it was cool. The system has all of these other games I want to play. I really want to play Bloodborne. Like, a lot. Really want to play Bloodborne. Only can get that on PS4. So it's definitely got some games that I want to play that I can only get there. So I was like, I'm going to do it. And I had saved up some money, and it was uh, I had gotten... A, I had gotten some money for my birthday, which was in May. And it was like, it was, it was, it was time. It was a good time. So I bought it. Well, congratulations. I hope that works out for you. Did you get free games from PS plus? I haven't actually downloaded them yet, but I'm going to get them before June runs out. I'm going to, I'm going to, I have a 12 month, um, PS plus card that I got for $32, uh, which was a super awesome deal for a year. Um, Where'd you get that one? Uh, so if you look on, if you go, if you follow any of the deal, like the video game deal type things on either Twitter or on various blogs, um, they'll be posting stuff kind of constantly. And you can pretty much always, at least two, three times a month, you can find 12 months of PS Plus for $40 instead of the standard 50 You can pretty much always find it for 40 And then Best Buy sometimes runs these specials through eBay. If you buy... For some reason, if you buy a card through eBay that is done by Best Buy, you get it for $32, which is how I found it. So um, I got that, 
And uh, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna download the free games. The free games this month. One of them is um, Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes, which is like the Metal Gear Solid Five. De- oh, nice. The Metal yeah. Gear Solid Five demo. And then the uh, one of the other ones. There's five games total, but the two that I'm interested in are that one and then Skulls of the Shogun, which I've been meaning to check out for a while. But it's pretty much always been fifteen dollars. But I'm just gonna get it for free this month. Um, and it's like a. It's a. Uh, a real-time strategy game. Not real-time. It's a turn-based strategy game. Uh, and the other thing that I got that hasn't arrived yet is a two-terabyte hard drive that I'm going to be putting in my PlayStation for storage uh, purposes. Uh, because I plan on downloading all of these games through PS Plus, from what I understand, people run out of room really fast. So um, I'm going to install that two-terabyte hard drive when it comes in, and then I'm going to get start downloading all of the games through PS Plus. Nice. So yeah, that's... That, I, I'm super excited about it. I actually just bought Final Fantasy 14 because it was on sale on Amazon. Um, so I'm going to check that out as well. Uh, would you get it on PS4 or PSC? PS4. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of things that you've done. I know. Actually, I know. I'm pretty pumped. Yikes. Well, cool. And that's that's you for games. That's that's it. The four the. To be honest, the four job fiesta will be. Even though I have the PS4, uh, the four job fiesta is going to be consuming my life for a while because it's so fun. Like I, every time I play through Final Fantasy V again, I remember how it's really, it's a really fun game. It really is, and it's so much different than the other Final Fantasies in that era. It's so quirky. It's just, it's funny. Like it's, it's really funny. Like it's just totally unlike. It's, it's neat. It's really cool. Oh, it's funny, and it has the most vicious villain in any Final Fantasy game. Yeah, and you really, I mean, contrary to other Final Fantasy games where they'll sometimes pull random last villain out of the, like, out of their hole. Like, you look at Zeromus, you look at, you look at Necron in Final Fantasy IX, you look at Ultimisha in Final Fantasy VIII. Like, they went through this period where they would just randomly pull out a villain at the end of their video, at the end of their games. Exodeth is with you from the from basically the start of the game. He's like a name that you know, and he just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And he's just he's like destroyed entire worlds, and that's where you go at the end of the game to a world he has completely destroyed, and you have to go kill him. Yeah, he's he kills main characters. He's just like he does. Yeah, he's he's brutal. And every yeah. time you see him, every other line of dialogue is like, Mwahahaha. yeah, he's brutal. Like, the whole time he's just, like, has this maniacal, evil laugh, I imagine. Yeah, I love X-Death. X-Death is, I think, could be my favorite Final Fantasy, like, main villain. Yeah, he's pretty great. Yeah, so he's that hardcore. Cool. So, yeah, um, so you alluded to this earlier, but I wanted to end the podcast with this. Not because I think I'm better than you, although I do, um, but because it opens up a question for listeners, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. And hopefully you could comment on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash unqualifiedpodcast or on unqualifiedgamers.com or on Google Plus or, you know, any of a plethora of ways to engage with us. But um, my friend Blake was sitting there and he goes, hey, instead of a multiplayer game, we could play a one-player game and just switch off. So there's a lot of ways to do that, right? But there's there are right and wrong ways to do it. So the Mega Man games. Are they lend themselves really easily to that, right? Because, yeah, because you select a stage, 
you select a stage, you play the level. Usually it doesn't take too long, maybe, you know, five, ten minutes tops, probably shorter. Or you die. Or you die, yeah, you fight the boss or whatever, or you die, and then you pass it off, and then the next person chooses a level. Now, that's not a perfect system, because let's say we're playing Mega Man 2, and I get stuck with Heat Man. I hate Heat Man. I hate that stage. It's I'm, not fun. Why don't you just, like, get better at the game? That is the worst stage in that game. Like, Quick Man gives me anxiety. I don't want to play Quick Man. I want to play the easy if, levels. If you get better at the game, you don't die on those stages. I want to play Metal Man. I want to play... I want to play Flash Man. I don't want to play Wood Man because he's also generic. And then there's also kind of a, a, a suggested order of... Well, there is a suggested order of bosses. So you may kind of get stuck, quote-unquote, with the next one in the sequence that you don't want to play. So, like, you know, it's still really fun. It's a great idea. You can still switch off on Wily's Castle. But you're not getting, like, the same experience every time. You may play a level you don't want to play as much as something somebody else played. So that's just the inherent problem in switching off of the game. Same with any game, like a Zelda game. Even if you're just going straight through the Zelda game, you know, I I don't mind playing the Fire Temple, but do I want to play the Forest Temple? No. Also, this take a long time. So there's a lot of different games that you can play with different experiences. And I realized it was on my desktop. I, I never finished Rogue Legacy, which was on both of our lists of Game of the Year in 2013? It would have been 2013. 13, 13. Even though it didn't, I don't know if it was released that year, but it was on our list that year. Yeah. But yeah, 2013, we both named it a Game of the Year because we loved it and it's a roguelike platformer and that is the perfect game to switch off because it's the same every single time and a run only lasts you know can last between one and 15 minutes you know depending on how terrible you are but it is the perfect game a roguelike is the perfect game for switching off because you start from the start and then you go through and you do whatever you want and you collect things as you go and then you die and then you can choose some upgrades if you want and then the next person gets to go and it it was perfect. It was great. I was a very high level, so uh, Blake quite handily vanquished the fourth boss, who I had not beaten. You had to beat four bosses to unlock the final boss. Right. So he beat the fourth boss, and then he was like, well, you got to play the end boss. And I'm like, sure. And I did, and it took me several tries, which was nice of him because I own the game, you know. And I beat him. And then we started New Game Plus and would have kept playing if – one of our friends hadn't fallen asleep at that point. But um, but I just think it's, it's the perfect game to switch off is Rogue Legacy. Not and to mention it's also a fantastic game. Also like, a fantastic game. It is a game. fantastic game. Sure, it's it really, really good. It's really good. It was both of, yeah, both of us put it on a list of, game yeah. of the year, games of the year. And uh, and you can check out that podcast also on unqualifiedgamers.com. But yeah, and I just I was just wondering if you have a backup for you know what is your favorite game to play and trade off with friends you know when we're little it was super mario brothers and it was like that was the de facto thing you you had to trade off even if you had two players simultaneously with a controller one's mario one's luigi gosh you know the only game i feel like i ever did that with was was mega man and i had a brother i mean like i i lived with a brother who played video games with me too but yeah we just we never really played games where where that was the that was the way to play them. So I don't actually have a lot of experience with that particular way of playing. I just don't. But I know yeah. where I mean I know where it comes from. Life or level. That's where that saying that's where that phrase comes from. Is 
on the next life or on the next level. That's when you trade the controller for a single-player game. Um, I think we also traded off on King of the Monsters for Super Nintendo. R- random. R- random game. Yeah. But, um, no, I never really played games like that. I just really didn't. But I, I'm totally not opposed to it. It's a fun way to play. Yeah, so I, I, like, I like watching people play games just as a lot of times, just as much, if not more, than I like playing them myself. Right, of course. And you can multitask. It's easy to drink that way. You know, you, you get to play a one-player game, which is very fun. And then you said that you give the controller to somebody else. You can have a drink. You can play another game. Uh, one of them was playing a game on Game Boy Advance, of all things. Game Boy Advance. And then the other one was, was playing some game on his tablet. And I whipped out Hearthstone. And I'm sure you were playing Hearthstone. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, you can also multitask or, you know, like I went and grabbed some pizza in between a couple things. So... I, I don't think that trading off playing is necessarily dead in this day and age because sometimes it still is really fun, and it was really fun. And, listener, I just want to know what uh, what games do you love to trade off? What memories do you have of it? You know, leave us a comment, and I don't know. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah, ro- like, roguelikes really lend themselves well to that particular style of play. They just do because, the like you said, the whole point of them. Like, I, I bet I bet if, if Max and I hung out, I bet we could, we could trade off on... Uh, on F- play FTL, we could trade off on that the entire night because we both absolutely love that game. And granted, yeah. he's unlocked everything in that game a couple of times, so he might be sick of it at this point. But we talked about that game all the time when we were both playing it a lot because it's so it's so good. And it's, you know, a run lasts anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes and you're done. Yeah, exactly. Which is perfect, exactly. perfect amount of time. And Max, our friend, not Max, your one-year-old son, who cannot play FTL. No, he probably could. He probably could complete FTL more easily than he. Come on, everybody knows reflexes are way better reflexes when you're a kid. That's true. Yeah. So he probably he's school me in FTL. He's probably already unlocked everything. Little jerk. So anyway, we're going to be at Gen Con doing a live podcast on Friday, July. Uh, yeah, we should start plugging that. It's like the 29th, 30th, something like that. Uh, I'm going to say 29th. That's why my... don't you just, just keep going, Phil, for time? I'm just going to... It's the 31st. Did you just look that up? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the 31st. That was really fast. Oh, yeah, Friday, July 31st. That's literally uh, what I just said. That's insane. Yeah, all right. So, well, I was verifying. I didn't believe you. Uh, check the Gen Con events catalog online to uh, register or go or whatever. I'll be posting a promo video of it hopefully this week. And um, yeah, please come check us out, live podcast. We're going to be collecting games, stories from people and talking about good gaming memories and things like that. We're going to keep it very positive and high energy and fun and make stupid jokes and hand out pens. You'll probably hear us plugging it quite a bit over the next couple of weeks just because we would love for people to show up. It'd be a really yeah. neat thing. Yeah, if you've listened to this podcast like before now or ever and you're a Gen Con and you come up to us, first of all, our minds will be blown because we generally assume no one listens to this podcast or knows about it. So if somebody's like, oh, yeah, I listen to you guys, we'll probably like have a minor like heart attack mm-hmm. on the spot, it's which true. is cool and fun. Um, but yeah, and second of all, yeah, it'd be awesome. And I really will give you a pen. So there's that. Um, also going to promote a couple things we are a member of the gonna geek network as i'm sure you're aware and there are a couple 
quick announcements I'd like to make regarding that. First of all, Voices of Defiance is uh, has now returned for season three of their podcast uh, with episode 32, their season three premiere, which you can find on gunnageek.com. Uh, it's a two-hour premiere episode. You can join Shannon, Sean, and Stargate Pioneer as they get their yayas out and discuss their radical defiance-changing events. Don't miss the two Marvel... I'm sorry, don't miss the trio Marvel at the three new main characters for Season 3 and catch them next week as they run down the Season 3 third episode, Broken Bow. So that'll be on the Voices of Defiance podcast of the Gunna Geek Network. And also... Uh, congratulations again. The official GunnaGeek.com podcast just had its 100th episode, and you can find that also on GunnaGeek.com. So the 100th episode, the ultimate blind toss to help mark the milestone of episode 100 of the official GunnaGeek.com podcast. The crew plots, plotted a little revenge on Steven, uh, the guy who runs the GunnaGeek network, to give him a taste of his own medicine. Fellow network members Genie, Jay, Operator, and Naki, along with some voicemails from some other familiar voices hint hint uh help ring in this special occasion and who knows by the end of the episode you listener may know what it's like to be a victim of steven's blind tosses i will say that's quite an entertaining episode from experience so there's that so a lot going on the gunning geek network and with us and gen con and lots of things and hopefully and it's summertime and it's summertime hopefully now that i have returned from my i'm done traveling till gen con do you have a lot going on? Uh, just, I don't have any more. I do travel for work one more time before Gen Con. And I've got little weekend trips. But for the most part, I think the the bulk of the craziness is done. Now, that being said, we're still getting the house ready to sell. So that's going to be, you know, another, that's a whole other thing. But sure, definitely. the traveling for the most part is done. And yeah. I, do have, I do have one more vacation in August. A right, real, a real next- one. But for basically the rest of June and July, or what's left of it, we should be on a regular weekly schedule, should hopefully. Be. And then uh, after Gen Con, who knows? The sky's the limit. God willing, because I know he listens to this podcast. True. Very true. Or she. So I was going to say that, but then I realized uh, how dumb that sounds and how it's a lie. God is obviously an American male uh, with a gun. And lots of big muscles. That's been scientifically proven, you know. And he might fly a Confederate flag. Don't think that's true. Don't think that's true. That was satire, ladies and gentlemen. Sarcasm, parody, parodical, periodical, New York Times. New York Times reports that Jonathan Martin was wrong. So if you do Gadusa, right, that is God in Swahili. And if you look... It's spelled God USA. So I mean, that's just how that's just how you know that it is in fact God USA. 